podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommies. I'm Jim Boardman. As always, I'm with Jay Reed. And what we try to do on this Anfield Index show is we try to kind of give a, a local perspective to what's going on with Liverpool Football Club. You know, what what do we feel? What do the people we know feel about the stories that are affecting the club at the moment? You do sometimes wonder when you're doing these shows whether you're going to have enough to talk about. And there always is something. And that's the thing with Liverpool, isn't it? There's always something. And in this last week, let me think, we've had a couple of games. We've won one. That was a big game. We maybe struggled a bit with another one, but got through. There was a penalty shootout. We've got some games to look forward to, of course. There's World Cup news. There's players going out on international duty soon in this stupidly interrupted season. And, oh yeah, there's a possible takeover. The club might be up for sale. Or it might not be. It just all depends. But, yeah, when we're trying to work out what to talk about, let's just say we've got plenty to talk about today. It's not been... um, it's not been a quiet week, has it, since we were last on, Jay? A week's a long time, or I think we've said a few times, <laughs> um, when you've gone from highs of big wins and then devastating losses. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you were to round it up, it's been a jam-packed week. Um, and we're not going to be short of topics to talk about. If anything, we'll be going off on meandering conversations down old rabbit holes of probably to try and get through everything it'll have to be quick and concise sort of one touch and you know maybe then we'll see success out of it yeah no one knows we'll still go down rabbit holes you know a bit like um (laughs) we've seen plenty of players who do that down the years haven't we but um i mean so starting us all off i suppose was last week it feels like when you say a week's a long time to me it feels like an absolute age ago that we played that game against tottenham which was um it's only like less not even a week ago we played them but it feels like that because um, so much has gone on since. But what we did was we we went to one of maybe our most difficult grounds on paper, certainly the way we've had things going this season, and we came away with a 2-1 win. And first half where I think we controlled it and second half where I think a few people were sort of reaching for the heart tablets maybe and, you know, reaching for the, or the, or the beer or whatever else it is that, that helps them cope with, um, with a game where, let's face it, we were probably sort of hanging on to some extent. But I... I personally think we kind of did it on purpose. We kind of, we felt, you know, it was time to hold on to what we've got rather than, um, or try to hold on to what we've got rather than leave ourselves too open at the back. And it worked, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if everyone's hearts can take that much longer. No, it was sort of a, a flashback to a few years ago, wasn't it? Where, you know, the the end-to-end football and um, clinging on for dear life. But... <laughs> We needed it more than anything. Like obviously, first away win of the season comes in November, which I don't think anyone would have had us down as. But yeah. it is what it is for this year, and I think we said last week like, we would not be surprised to go to Tottenham and get a result. Um, 
you know, nominally a big game on paper, and we have raised our our performance level in the big games this season. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I you know there was a lot of <laughs> a lot of positives, a lot of question marks as well coming out of that game. But I think at the end of the day, the main thing was to get the three points. It didn't matter how you got it, and sometimes you know the old market champion sort of thing that you win games ugly but obviously as it stands we're nowhere near the champions for this season but that would have done the lads a lot to to get that result in the manner that they did and yeah maybe hanging on throwing you know five at the back or whatever we did um, at the end and there could have been moments where Spurs could have got goals but as it was you know we've had the the rubber degree in terms of getting you know chances to fall our way and chances not to fall the opposition's way it's gone the other way in, in games over recent weeks so it's nice to actually get out of somewhere with, with three points and given obviously before that the Napoli win and late, uh, late in the game midweek you'd imagine you know that the players who did feature across them two games will have got a lot from it in terms of confidence anyway Yeah and we needed it because as you say confidence is massive in football and I think that's what we've lacked so much this season and um I think, like, in seasons gone by when we've been doing well, you've seen it where, you know, players make mistakes, something doesn't quite work out, players not quite on his game, whatever. But it doesn't last. It's kind of, there's enough belief amongst the team, usually, that as soon as one player does show a little bit of lack of confidence, he's sort of brought brought to reality, if you like, by his teammates and re- remembered how good he is and things like that. I've said, I've said it a few times that this season I felt like Liverpool have forgotten how good they are. But I think, I think we remembered this, this, this last game, but I think we also maybe remembered how leaky we can be, and I don't know, we just seem to sort of shut up shop, I think, a little bit, but um, <clears throat> against a team like, like Tottenham as well, I mean, everyone, certainly in the commentary I was watching, they were going on about Tottenham being a second half kind of a team, so maybe we knew we knew that was coming, and we, we did the job because we got we got the first two goals, we opened the scoring, and it was good to see Salah as well, who's um, you know, he's, he's sort of not been his best since he signed his new contract, or he wasn't at his best since he signed his new contract, or maybe even earlier than that. But I think just last few games, we're just seeing seeing the Salah of old coming back, and it's 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 good to see because we need Salah. You know, we, we we're not a one a one man team, but to me, we rely so heavily on him that we need him firing. Yeah, I mean, he's gone he's gone under the radar in terms of his goals and assists this season. I think he's on. I think it's 19 goal and assists or goal contributions, however you want to, yeah. you know, dress it up um, in, in this season. So, you know, he's quietly, you know, doing the business for us in, in a time when, you know, not everything's been going right. He's He's been the first goal scorer for, for Liverpool in the last four games, whether we've obviously gone behind in games or, you know, we've took the lead in, in the odd game here and there. But, you know, it's underrated. I know he's he's a top end player, but that ability to to get the goal is is more than like anyone actually values in the game because he's he's done so much for us. I think he's over to uh, Robbie Fowler in terms of Premier League goals, which you know, as someone who grew up idolising Robbie Fowler, you would think there was no one who would outscore him. But here we are in the current day and age where you know records are being smashed on a weekly basis by. Various players. Um, it, it's good that you know he's found this form, and, and in a time that we needed it most, you know, the, the crunch end of the Champions League group, and you know, big games, and 
yeah, we've got a sort of disruption coming up. But I think if anything, it'll do it'll do that lad the world of good in terms of having a couple of weeks to rest and recuperate, and he'll be chomping at the bit in five, six weeks' time, whatever it is when we when we do eventually return to to proper football um, to carry on because he's just that sort of animal. He's that sort of you know mentality where he wants to be the best, and quite frankly, he is for us. <laughs> Yeah, he is, isn't he? And he's he's <clears throat> good to see him as well because I think when he's on form as well, it's going to bring players like Nunez out. I mean, to me, Nunez's his, his, um, confidence is increasing by the game, and that that's good to see as well. And you just know we've got a monster there. I think we have anyway. I think we've got a real monster in Nunez, and we're gonna we're gonna need to have more than one player because I mean, I've just said we don't want to be a one man team. As good as Salah is, he's going to have bad days. He's going to have times when he's injured. He's going to have times when he's got a run off on international duty, and it isn't. Um, where FIFA decided to stop everyone's seasons for it and it ends up being in the middle of our season actually making him miss games. That's happened before. I'm sure it will again. So we need we need all of these players doing well. But um I think I think one of the reasons though I think it, we'll get onto it in a minute, but I think one of the reasons it feels so long ago is all this stuff about the ownership and that um that brings up so much arguing between fans because of you know, the people who are kind of the FSG out brigaders are sometimes labelled who just want FSG to keep finding money or to get out if they can't find money. And I'm not sure money always is the answer because um, you've still got to get the players to do well. And I think this is the big test this season for, for Jurgen Klopp because the players that who've done so well for him, who've, who've been so brilliant for him, have shown something different this season that we're not used to seeing. And this, to me, this is why it's such a test because whoever your owners are, whatever budget you've got, once you've got your squad nailed in for that season or for that half season, you're stuck with them. You're stuck with those players, like her or not, and you've got to get the best out of them. And it's just been it's just so frustrating this season how long it's taken for that to happen. But it feels like it's on the way now. And I think you look at you look at Tottenham, and I think they th- their aspirations are obviously similar to ours in many ways. Yet I think as a team they'd be delighted to finish top four every season and occasionally occasionally have a sniff near of a title rather than actually winning it I think they'd be delighted with that but to us you know that isn't enough that's where that's where we were for a while but that was always to us just a stepping stone to actually go on and not just have a sniff of the title but get your hands on the trophy as well and looking at the table now we're in eight but Tottenham who we beat uh, Seven in front of us, and we've played one game less. So potentially, although that that one game less is, a, of course, is against Chelsea. So it's no, it's not a nailed on three points. But if you got the three points, you'd be four behind them. And with so much of the season still to go after this little break, I think that's not an unassailable lead. To, you know, an unassailable gap. And I think we can do it. But it's so important. I think, and we're slightly looking ahead to the next game. It's so important that we go into that World Cup with all the players who are involved in World Cup football not having in the back of the mind that things aren't good at home, you know, things aren't good at the club, in the club football. And if we can just sort of win that next game, I think it just gives us a really good platform um, to come back to on Boxing Day. But, you know, not not sort of going to... We'll not. Talk, we'll talk about Southampton a little bit more, but, you know, it's just this this thing that we've just got to start winning games ugly. And I think, as you sort of said, we, we did that. You know, you did what you need to do. At the end of the season, when we look at that league table... We're not going to think, we don't get extra points because we had a really, really, really exciting game. We're not going to get more points or move up or a position or, you know, the, the league's not going to be decided if everyone's level on goal difference on um, who got the fanciest goal, is it? So it's just about winning. And to me, the mentality is coming back now. Yeah, so 
to steal an old Shankly called first is first and second is nowhere. Mm. That's the difference between us and the likes of Tottenham, as you said. Like they'd be more than happy with top four and maybe a league cup. Where you know, take last season as as great as it could have been to walk away with the FA Cup and the League Cup. Great days out at Wembley. He felt a little bit shortchanged because we were, you know, we were so close to the big two um, in terms of the trophies that we want. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers. You, you take what you sort of can, but we did feel a little bit, yeah, we could have had more there. Could have had, like, you know, the the incredible season that's never been done before. And there's a reason why it's never been done because it is so hard. Um, but, you know, a couple of losses to, to teams that, you know, we took for granted as a fan base and obviously as a club um, and as players, we, you know, the likes of Leeds and Nottingham Forest, they stand out like a sore thumb. But we've got an opportunity. We're not even halfway through the season. Um, you know, Arsenal have basically planned the parade because they're top after 14 games. And, yeah. you know, Haaland's been given, you know, the Ballon d'Or after 13 games or whatever because he scored so many goals. And he probably will get it, but there's a long, long way to go. And, you know, any rational Liverpool fan will know Nothing's won at Christmas. You know, presents are given out, but trophies are given out in May. And that's where we've got to aim for. And rightly so in terms of, you know, having a quick glance at the weekend's game. And, you know, referencing our boys across the other end of the park, the other side of the city. You know, we've got to go into this weekend and, and grab three points. And it will do us the world of good in terms of not only position within the league, but... You know, admittedly winning the League Cup through to the next round, we'll get onto that one as well. But if you go look back across the last 10, 14 days, you know, win against Napoli, win against Spurs, win against Derby in the League Cup, hopefully a win at the weekend against Southampton, four wins on the bounce. Those who are going to the World Cup will be jubilant and, you know, have a spring in the step because of, well, they're going to the World Cup and, you know, things are all right at home. But those lads who aren't, the likes of Mo Salah, you know, Thiago's not going. They can have a nice couple of weeks rest, but they know when they come back that you know things are going good. We're sort of in the right direction, and I should say you, you come back in a, in a busy time of year, but it's a time when predominantly we do well in terms of after Christmas. We we've seen it under Jurgen Klopp. We've gone on lengthy runs of unbeaten games, even you know streaks of nine, ten games in a row where we've won, and other teams in the league will will know that and will fear that. Once we get a couple of lads back in terms of fitness, we can do that. And okay, we might not win the league, but we're more than definitely in with a shout as long as you know we get the three points this week and put ourselves in in a better position than where we are now. Just to touch on those lads across the other side of Family Park, if they lose this weekend, poor old Frank is getting turned on like a you know <laughs> don't know what because I did tell them we've all said he's not a good manager. And they all said, but he gets us. And he shouted at Klopp. <laughs> and and what he means by he gets us is he gets the fact that we're shit. Yeah. <laughs> he understands we'll raise our hopes, we'll go the game, and by half-time we're booing the lads off. By 60 minutes we're arguing with each other. And by 90 minutes we're all in the pub drowning our sorrows and blaming everyone else because, you know, Everton have lost again. Um, and... <laughs> It's funny to see because, you know, we always have to have a little dig at them and they bring it upon themselves. They're only their own worst victims of, you know, their own downfall. Um, 
it's funny to see. I, I had to bring it up because speaking to a few lads who are staunch Evertonians and now saying, you know what, you are right. Three wins all season. It's all, you know, being a big mask, a big charade. Maybe we'll have to dig the dog out and walk him down the Gladys streets and see if he gets us a win at the weekend. But yeah. <laughs> it really <laughs> in terms of we've we've had a, a rough ride this season and we feel awful. And you only got to look at them and you think, wow, is this what it's like to be a blue? Is this how how bad it is for you every single season? We've had a few rough weeks, oh. and this is what you've gone through a lifetime. Yeah, these are all angry. Yeah, it, yeah, because it gives you th- food for thought, doesn't it? You sort of you go through these bad spells, and you you, you you're feeling like you don't know what to tell you. You can't go near the paper shop in case you you see the back pages of the papers. You don't want to go online or anything because you just lost, and it's like the worst feeling in the world. And when you when you're involved in doing podcasts or, or writing about football, it's even worse because you kind of you can't just hide away and just watch like Strictly or something or whatever else there is to distract you from it. You've got to face it, but. Being being like that all the time. I mean, you must you must sort of come up with so many excuses in your head, and that's what they do, don't they? They come up with so many excuses, and and because most of them judge their success against us. Um, like if, if we finished twelfth in the table, they'd be made up to finish eleventh. If we narrowly avoided relegation by a point, they'd be made up to narrowly avoid it by two points. That that would be the be all and end all for a lot of them. It's, if, it's, it's how obsessed they become with us. We've gone out to Derby on penalties in midweek I'm and they've gone sure. out to Bournemouth who are a Premier League team. They class that as a victory. Yeah. yeah. Because Derby are League One due to circumstances, you know, off the field. But it'd be, haha, you got beat at home by League One Derby on penalties. Not the fact that you're playing five kids and three lads on debut, but we went out to Bournemouth who were a Premier League team. Therefore, we had a better culture than you. Yeah. That's the sort of mentality they live with, and it's mental. It is, and it's. I just love it. I mean, you can um, you can wind them up so much as well, can you? Because you can just get them to bite. And I saw that the other day somewhere online that someone put a stat up that how well Rafa had done at the same point, probably in his last was it his only season as Everton manager. In that season, he was Everton manager. That you know, at the same stage, the same number of games, he had more points than Lampard has this season. Um, and then the, the sort of excuses they're coming up to try and defend Lampard then because all of a sudden Lampard isn't that bad because he's not, you know, he's, he's got to be defended because they cannot accept that Benitez might have actually been okay with them if he'd have had time and money. Um, anything like the time and money that Lampard's had, anything like the time and money his predecessors had, but because it's Benitez, he's pathetic. They, they, they can't imagine him doing anything. And like you say, it's the same with Lampard. Um, because he shouted at Klopp, he must be great. But the, the, they're just so confused now, and it's just, it's just, it's just nice, isn't it? Just um, having a little laugh with them. It takes your mind off your own problems as, as a club, doesn't it? Are you that person who has everything, the coolest merch, and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, and hats, to our signature edition mugs prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. 
Yeah, and that's what I bring in a full circle to, to this weekend and we win and they've got to go back to Bournemouth and play Bournemouth's first team, not the reserves. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it just, as you say, it no matter what's going on in Liverpool in terms of a club, you can always have a look at them and laugh. And, you know, sometimes, you know, football can be so encapsulating and, and take up so much of your mind and so much of your life. But sometimes if you take a step back and look what is going on around you, we don't even have to look far. We can just look across the park and just see, well, it's not that bad. Um, so we win at the weekend, which would be lovely. And all of a sudden, you know, that there's a huge chasm that we all know is between us. And, and it just makes you feel a lot better. And we, well, looking at the fixture list, they don't play again before Christmas. So their Christmas is once again ruined. And it's not even our fault this year because, you know, we haven't actually played them and ruined the Christmas. But <laughs> they usually blame us every year to do that. But yeah, it, it's just. Also, oh, at least they've got two cup finals to look forward to then, haven't they? Well, yeah, because, you know, you might get a trophy if, you know, if Frank shouts a clock or, you know, you manage to get a point off us, which you did in, in the uh, the first derby of the season. As you say, it, it, it's one thing, like, no matter what is going on in our football sort of uh, sphere, you can always take time to have a laugh and a giggle at them. And I think it wouldn't be a, an episode of Scouts of Tommy's if we didn't throw a little five-minute section on, on, on those over the park. Yeah, and to be honest with you, if you don't live in Liverpool, you I mean it's, it's hard to put it into words. There's just so many things that you don't that you forget it happens sometimes. You kind of get used to it, but the little chuckles that you get from having Evertonians nearby is um, it's probably therapy. Actually, there's probably some sort of medical thing that you could actually offer this out on the NHS if they could actually offer anything on the NHS instead of just cutting it all the time. But um, you know, having the chance to sort of have a chuckle at someone can be can be quite good. Although the worst thing you can do is tell them you feel sorry for them because that really really annoys them for some reason. But <laughs> I don't know why. But talking of that game in midweek, then that that game against Derby. Um, it wasn't exactly our first choice eleven. Um, I was just looking at the team now, and um, I think there's probably only Gomez, Simicas, and Carvalho who really had any sort of regular starts this season. And even then, that's probably been because of um, injuries and things. So it was such a um, such a. I mean, it was such a sort of young team, such a sort of second choice team that. Um, in a way, some people might argue that it was it was it was sort of unprofessional of us in a way that we risk going out of the, the trophy. But the season we've had so far, I think we need to give players a bit of a rest. But also, in my view, these are the occasions when you you suddenly you might find a new star, you might find a player of the future, you might get a player who's already good back to fitness, or like Oxlade Chamberlain, it was a great great run out for him. Um, but the young lads, it was a chance for them to shine and to show what they can do. And of course, that, that competition, that cup, that's what made Robbie Fowler's name for him right from the beginning. You know, his, his first two most famous sort of games, if you like, in the League Cup. I think he made his debut in the League Cup and then he played his third game in the second leg of the League Cup and just just what a, what a player, what a player he turned out to be. And maybe, maybe if back then we hadn't put a strong team out, maybe, maybe things wouldn't turn out the way they would. I, d- I don't think that's necessarily the case with Robbie because he's so good he would have got through in the end. But even so, it's having the opportunity to show what you can do. You don't get the chance very often with a Premier League club. That's why I think it's good that we played that team. As much as some people might say we're disrespecting the competition, we put a team out and it won. It got through in the end. 
Was that Robbie Fowler won the four or five goals against Fulham? It was five, wasn't it? Um, something like Fulham. that. Yeah, it was loads. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I vaguely remember it because it was probably 93, 94. Hmm. And I was probably still running around, sliding on my knees in the mud. Um, <laughs> not not these days, anyway. Um, but as, as you rightly point out, in terms of it's opportunity. Um, you know, there's there's a couple of lads we've seen over the years who've come through and I think Harvey Elliott got his debut in the League Cup um down at MK Dons about three or four years ago, something like that now. Yeah. Um and you know, he's developed over the past few years into a, a solid squad player for us. There's still a long way for him to go. Obviously he's only nineteen, but it's opportunities that these lads get and it's not the be all and end all. You know, there's a lot of development from then on. Um, for the youngsters to go through but sometimes there might just be a little jink in, in someone's play and you think ah he's got a little bit of him and watching the game with the nice um, the young lad at right back Calvin Ramsey come in and he had 5-10 minutes um, against Napoli and little Cruyff turn and a couple of nice passes but actually seeing him for 90 minutes he's, he's a young lad who only brought him in the summer it's only his second appearance for the first team and his first full start, but he's got something. Like you, you can just tell if you, if you're a proper, you know, football fan, and you, you know football, you will, you'll be able to pick out a player and say this lad's got something he can play, and you, you quite often hear that. And this lad has, and it's what we're being crying out for in terms of an option for Trent at right back. And I'm not saying this lad's going to come in and, and take Trent's place, and all of a sudden. You know, we've got a situation where we've got Robertson and Simicus on the left-hand side and you can say, well, we were happy with either one. You couldn't pick or choose. But he has ability and, you know, we seem to have found a gem there from Aberdeen. I think he cost six, maybe eight million. I don't know. It wasn't a lot of money in terms of the current transfer market. But someone like that um, stands out and a lot of people who would who would know and speak to it, I've, I've noticed, you know, it's only 90 minutes. It's not everything, but he's got ability and, and this is what this competition gives us. And of course, we can't gloss over the fact that the Keevan Kelleher Cup, yes. as it's called, um, he, he baffles me in terms of he looks like he's standing for the bus before the penalty gets taken. He stood there with down <laughs> by his side like it's pissing down with rain and the bus is running 15 minutes late and he's going to be late for work or he's going to be you know, late for the date, and then all of a sudden he's like a cat and he springs into action and at no point in that penalty shootout, other than being baffled at some of the misses, that'd be you know, Bobby Firmino for one yeah. um, but you did you never feel like this lad isn't going to give us a chance because it's just something about him, he just knows how to save penalties and he's not an imposing figure he doesn't give it the dudek or the grobler but he, he does enough and the third one, especially when he put his arm up in the air and poured it away. The fact that again, it was an Everton loanee just made it even sweeter. <laughs> yes, yeah. There's always there's always a bit more, isn't there? Just just to add to it, just a little bit more. He's. Um, I wonder maybe he's got some sort of psychic abilities, and he sort of knows which what sort of thoughts are in the in the player's mind. And the only time he goes the wrong way is when the player's changed his mind last second or something. But yeah, I think um, the league cup as well of all cups because I remember when Chelsea. Um, what was it? Was it Chelsea that it was Chelsea, wasn't it? That changed the keeper for the shootout, and yeah. it didn't work out for them. Um, I think that 
that that's that's the kind of thing about it. This this competition, it's the competition where your second choice goalie gets a chance. It's a competition where your second choice goalie might get to show what he can do from the spot. Um, and in his case, in both senses of the word, because obviously he um, he got one didn't he last time. So he's he, he is an outstanding keeper, and it's good to know we've got him there as a backup if we need him. Um, some people might argue maybe he could do with going out on loan because he's not going to get a lot of first team experience. The squad that he's in, you know, with the, the competition that's in front of him. But I personally think that he's going to get enough experience with us for now. Um, you know, there's, there's going to come a time when we need him, and I think it's, it's good to know we've got him. If Allison does have a problem of, of any kind, that we've got someone who can step in, and maybe he's not. You know, to sort of comparing to Allison's maybe a little bit unfair because of how good Allison is, but. Is a decent enough keeper to come in. If you do need him, you just hope you never do because that's how good Allison is. But yeah, those pens, I was surprised, so surprised at Bobby missing them. And um, I suppose that lets me sort of digress a little bit on on other thoughts that's on your mind at the moment as well. Is um, with penalty shootouts, I always hate it when England are playing because I'm not really bothered about England, but I hate it when it goes to pens if one of ours is taking a pen because you just know. That they're just going to be like, they're just going to get no end of criticism and abuse if they miss it. And the England squad's been announced, and there's just, and lots of other World Cup squads, but there's only two in it so far from Liverpool, unless anything changes. And I can't see there being anyone trying to think who else it would be, unless Jimmy Milner comes out of retirement. Um, Trent's in there, but I'm, I don't know about you, but I think, well, I think we've said it before, we're sort of hoping that he's, um, you know, without him being too disappointed, I wouldn't be disappointed if he spent most of the game just looking on from the from the sidelines. No, and the, the likelihood is he probably will, um, because the football intellect that is kind of Southgate um, <laughs> just allows to use him. It's simple as that, really. Um, you know, for the fellow who said he would always pick players on form, and you know, not sort of historical favouritism. You look at the likes of Conor Cody and Harry Maguire and, and Eric Dyer in the squad and, you know, massive contradict to yourself there and gamble on, on players' fitness like Kyle Walker and Calvin Phillips. You you crack on, fella. Um, you, do, you do you and we will just, you know, sit back and enjoy the ride because inevitably England are going to win the World Cup. Like, unless something bizarre happens across the whole tournament. They aren't winning the World Cup with that squad. Um, and just on a whole, like we, we've only got seven players going, which I, I don't, not sure across like you know previous years, but that's probably one of our lowest sort of number of representatives. Yeah. Um, and in a way, given the the situation where the 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 World Cup's taking place in the middle of a season, in the middle of winter, in you know the middle of the east, <laughs> um, in a questionable country I think we can say without getting too much into it um, we're not in too bad a situation given obviously what we've had this season uh, up and down so it's a relief and if, if we're being wholeheartedly honest with who the lads who are going it's probably only Alison, Virgil and Darwin Nunes who are likely to play on a regular basis which in terms of fitness for us is a, is a relief and just seeing squads finalised today, I've seen Thiago's missed out, and I'm sure the lad is disappointed not to be going and representing his country, but he's got a World Cup medal in his back pocket, and I'm sure he won't be, you know, far away from a beach somewhere for a couple of weeks, and 
he needs a rest because he's the type of player who we rely on a lot. But also, you know, we can't keep rolling him out there every single week and hoping that he, he bails us out and can do everything for us. So yeah. I think on the whole, it, it sort of fell nicely for us. We couldn't have asked for, for much else better because even back to Bobby Firmino, he, he's not going with Brazil for, for whatever reason. But at times recently, he's looked like he really needs a rest. He looks like he's running on empty. So I think we're in a good situation in terms of squad representation. Yeah, and I think that's right with with Bobby. Exactly, he's been. Um, I wish he was younger. I've said that a few times. I wish he was five years younger, just because of of the difference he makes to the team when he when he does come on. But as you say, you can't do that every game for every minute of every game when you, you know, not to the intensity that he tries to put in. And you can tell now with him. And I'm glad. Um, you know, disappointing for the lads themselves. Even for like even for the England players. As much as I'm not a fan of England, I still know how good uh, Trent would feel if he did get to play and did get to score, you know, or get the assist for the winning goal that got them through to the knockouts or whatever. I know that would mean so much to him. I remember how much you could tell it meant to, say, Steven Gerrard. Um, but maybe Trent, it means as much to Trent as it did to Jamie Carragher. He wasn't really all that bothered. You know, he'd go along, but, you know, he wasn't wasn't too fussed if he didn't get involved. And um, he got some abuse for it from what I can remember as well, Carragher, but I mean, basically, his, his attitude was, well, if you're not going to use me, why why, why interrupt my time? Why take me away from my club and, you know, treat me with some respect? And I think that's one thing that, you know, England forever, ever wants and the FA forever wants respect off people, but they don't always show it back. And so um, I'm glad they're only borrowing two of ours and I'm glad that, you know, hopefully, I'm, in, in a lot of ways, I'm glad that they're, um, they're too blind to use our players as much as maybe they should. Um but the thing is that that World Cup is just an, it's just a distraction. It's not even there's no excitement. I don't know. I've not really spoke to anyone who's kind of talked about it with the same kind of excitement that you do with a normal summer tournament in a more let's say more reputable country. It's just not it's just not building the same. And I don't know whether it is because of where it is or whether it's because of the timing. Just because it's like you know people are thinking about Christmas, not you know normally you're watching the World Cup. Maybe sat on, you know, maybe you've been sat on a beach before the final and gone and found a bar somewhere to watch it. Maybe you're, you know, round, you know, you've got mates around wherever, you know, you're off, off around town in a bar watching it, wherever you're not. You know, it's a totally different feel, this one. It's going to be strange, so strange, but, um, it will be over and done with soon. So that's, that's the main thing. Um, while, while that, you know, before we get on to the next game as well, I think one thing that's interesting is while Liverpool players are in the World Cup, um, and the ones who aren't will be playing some apparently some sort of training games over in the Middle East, and that's led a lot of people to speculate that, and there's so much speculation that maybe Liverpool's next owners are going to be from the Middle East, and it was all kind of some amazing plan that was put in place months ago, you know that there's going to be some handover of power during the World Cup. I don't think that's the case, but it kind of brings us back to that question because, for one thing, like so. The thing about Liverpool changing owners, it's the usual stuff when this kind of thing goes on. Liverpool, Liverpool's owners have put some information out saying that if people want to buy shares, come and talk to us. You know, maybe we'll have you on board. And it's the usual business stuff. You know, they don't want to try and sound too enthusiastic because the people think they're desperate to sell, but at the same time, they don't want to scare people off. We might come in and do something. But what isn't very clear, despite the Liverpool up for sale stuff, is it's not very clear that Liverpool are actually up for sale. It sounds. It could very easily be read that Liverpool are partially up for sale, as in they want some more investment to come in, which could 
in a lot of ways mean that Liverpool stays more or less the same as it is, but with a bit more funding behind it for these things that that fans are crying out for. You know, just gives us that reassurance that the 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 building works all well and truly covered, and that we can keep competing with the other sides. But um, the thing is, if we do get sold, whether partially or wholly, to someone else, it kind of it's the thing we were talking about not long ago. Is if Liverpool are sold to an let's just say an oil state. It's not going to go down well, I don't think, with the fan base. Not with most of the fan base, and certainly not. Um, I don't think it's going to go go down well in Liverpool at all. No, um, I've not really spoke to anyone about this in terms of on podcast or anything like that. A couple of conversations on Discord and stuff, but that's between a small community. Mm. So um, that there is no. There is no genuine good owner. Like those days are gone. Yeah. Like you know, where you know the the local businessman done good and you know put a few quid into the club and you know maybe you know put a bit of sponsorship in and, and kept it going. Like those days are well gone. So you know the fallacy of that is, is dead. But I think if you're being realistic about things, any owner new or existing or whatever we would want is someone along the lines of FSG but with a bit more availability to spend cash or maybe a bit more open to spending some of their own cash and yeah. you know for all that people will be on the FSG out brigade like you are just literally Man United fans in terms of the green and gold army You've, when a couple of results go by this FSG's fault but when we win trophies it's Jürgen Klopp who's done great. Um, Do you know? You remember the green and gold army? They went and bought the green and gold scarves from the club shop. That just made me laugh. You I, know, the anti-man. You know, we're against the owners. We don't like what they're doing. Let's protest. Let's wear a different colour scarf. And they went to the club shop and bought them and lined the pockets. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> you know, Liverpool fans aren't soft. Liverpool people aren't soft. Like scousers aren't stupid. Then they won't be had off. Like we won't be fooled. We won't be kidded. You know, some people can be bought, like some fickle fans can be bought with, you know, a few shiny trophies and a few mm. fancy players. But, you know, on the whole, like, we aren't stupid people. We've we've seen this sort of situation play out in many other, you know, ways of life. But, you know, sometimes you've just got to do your own business and look after yourself and make sure those around you are happy. We've said it a few times on this podcast and, you know, it, it, it kind of plays into the sort of the local psyche of, of, of scouts in terms of if you've got a few quid, you'll spend it and you'll enjoy it and you know you'll give those around you, like you'll buy a round or something like yeah. that at the club or whatever. But you know, if you haven't then it's not the end of the world. But we're not stupid. We know these lads at FSG and you know if there's any ladies involved, Linda or whoever. Um I've got a few quid. It's 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 not beyond like a big secret. And that's all we really wanted for them was when we were crying out for a defender a few years ago, when we were crying out for a midfielder for the last couple of years, we just wanted a few quid spent in the squad. And then, you know, we, we might have won a trophy or two more. That's all hypothetical, but that's what the, the genuine reality of the situation is. And, you know, they've, they've given us a lovely main stand on the way with the, the Anfield Road end. They've developed Kirby. If they could develop any more around Anfield, I'm sure they probably would have. They've put you know, the infrastructure in terms of scouting and recruitment and medical and coaching, like, in our opinion, the best coach in the world, manager, however you want to label his position. And if they've realised that they 
won't spend any money or they can't spend any more money in terms to compete with these oil states and massive consortiums like those at Chelsea. And they've decided, well, we either need somebody to come in and facilitate that or we've taken this as far as we can and we've gone after just hand the keys over to someone else because that's all they are. They're the people who hold the keys at the club. They don't own it. They don't run it in terms of everything that's gone on in the past. They're just the key holders. They're just the caretaker in terms of, you know, they might put the money in and whatever and keep the lights on. But the club belongs to the people. And for me, hopefully, if it's going to be a partial investment, if it's going to be a full sale, that they understand the people of Liverpool as a club and as a city enough to know that they've got to hand the keys on to the right person because David Moore's lived in regret at the fact that he handed the keys on to two cowboys. Literally, that's what they were. And it took him years to accept that it was a mistake. He'd done wrong wrong in terms of what had happened, but he thought he was doing the right thing. And I'm sure FSG have got enough about them in terms of, you know, people in the background connected to the club, whether it be in Liverpool, London or Boston, that they've got to make sure that the decision that they make, whatever it is, is the right one for everybody at the club and the city because we will never be bought like Man City and Newcastle because they're trophyless. They've had nothing for years. You can easily come in and wave your all your money around and buy a few trophies and buy a few fancy players and everyone will get on board with that regime and how they operate. But we will not do that. We're, we're too wise to it. We're not stupid. And yeah. it, it's just something that we've just got to take as it comes. But you would hope that they are wise to what is going on and what type of people we are and what we expect because it's not a lot. We just expect the right thing. Yeah, we do. And I think you look back to that last ownership situation. I can remember um, being on Sky Sports News, which was a, um, you know, we were big news at the time. The ownership was big news at the time. And I got asked to go on and talk about stuff. And one of the things we were talking about at the time was the possibility that Liverpool could go into administration, into receivership, you know, could literally have points deducted and end up being relegated and all this kind of stuff. And having to start again, you know, really, you know, really dire times. And I can just remember saying, if that's what it takes, that's what we need because we can't have owners like that. And to me, nothing's changed in that sense. We've, we've got to have the right owners. And if we don't have the right owners, we aren't, we aren't Liverpool. This, this, there's something about this club that you cannot buy. So all the money that they've put into it, they've not bought everything about Liverpool because it's not all for sale. There's something about the club that isn't for sale. It's not, you know, you don't list everything on the stock exchange. This, the annual report and accounts, you don't sort of show a sheet of information of how, how much sort of history you've still got and how much you've thrown away. But you will throw it away if you bring the wrong owners in. And I think, you know, whoever comes in, if they think they can just come in and have an easy time of it, they, they're not going to do that. I think it, it's frustrating in so many ways that in hindsight, if, if sort of David Moore's could have been, talk to from a time machine from the future and shown what happened then maybe what he should have done back then was get some people together and kind of almost put Liverpool as a trust and get some money coming in and Liverpool could have done as well as it does now in terms of like 
you know, milking every opportunity it can commercially, you know, finding, borrowing money if it can to build a, a bigger stand rather than build a whole new stage and realistic projects, doing things at the right time in the right way, at the right speed, bring the best people on board, pay, pay enough wages for the right people. Don't overpay. So you've just got prima donnas who just upset the apple cart with wages and stuff. Just get everything balanced top to bottom all the best people you can get paying paying them the right amount of money and so on and so forth the fans will come the success will come the fans won't go away the fans stayed around even through the Roy Hodgson times although I know a few did sort of try and probably give the tickets away or even ask people to you know give people money to take them off their hands at times but um you know we we were still well supported through all the bad times and we are and I think we, we always will be but you've got to you've if if we could have stayed self-sufficient all those time, all that time ago, we wouldn't be up for sale now. But maybe, and this this is, I think, the big argument about bringing the oil money in, supposedly, is that if we had have somehow become a self-sufficient club back then, and all the money that was coming in and going out was our own money, carefully invested, and you know, milking every opportunity, like I say, then maybe we could have. You know, maybe by now we'd be saying, "Well, I'm gone. Now we've not got anything to do to lift us up a level to all these people who were coming in with all that." You know let's just say ill-gotten gains, all that oil money and all the rest of it that in a way just has changed football madly. You know, it's really changed it in such a mad way. Um, and I think whatever happens, I think we'll we'll not stand for the wrong owners. And if we do end up with the wrong owners, it's going to be difficult for some people to keep going and others are going to protest against the owners until they listen. Um, rather than protesting about what they're doing in the club, it's going to be protesting about what they're doing out of the club. And it's going to be interesting, Let's let's say that, but... Um, at the same time, we might be just getting a bit, um, jumping the gun a little bit, because there's no saying that any of this is going to happen, that it's going to be sold in full, that it's going to get sold to the wrong people. We just have to wait and see. There just aren't that many people who've got the sort of the money to buy the club. There weren't that many people, though, when FSG came along with sort of 250 million or whatever it was to buy the club, and it's now supposedly worth 4 billion. So, the thing is, there will be people out there. I just hope it's not someone like Elon Musk because um, having seen what he does when he goes and takes over something, it sort of doesn't sort of go well, does it? At least not to start with. So um hope it's not someone like that. But let's wait and see. I think what we can do for the time being, though, is just enjoy what we have got in front of us and enjoy what is potentially up for sale. And that is a hell of a football club that's got so much history and I feel, still think so much to look forward to. And the first thing to look forward to, of course, is that final is it the final league game now before the world cup the game against southampton hello i'm here to annoy you i'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on epl index we don't just have the anfield index stuff we've got epl index as well which covers the entirety of the premier league and we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on eplindex.com The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Um, Feels weird to say. Panic <laughs> about and all that because if a couple of 9-0 defeats aren't enough, you know, for Ralph Hassan to get the sack, 
a four-one loss at home to Newcastle, seeing them over the edge. Um, but yeah. I think in the grand scheme of things, looking around the league, like you know, Villa have got rid of Gerrard and Emery come in, and well done to to Emery. Uh, nice three-one spanking of Man United last weekend was was almost for me one of the bankers of the weekend that Emery <laughs> was coming home against United. It was always going to happen. Um, again. To bring them up, I wouldn't be surprised if they ever pass it with Faf Frank because it's the time. This is the perfect time if you are thinking of a change of manager. And obviously, Southampton, who we placed the weekend, I've just brought in a new fella. I think it was yesterday he was announced uh, Nathan Jones from Luton. Can't confess to anything about him other than he sounds Welsh when I heard his interview on Sky Sports. I'm sure that was, wasn't that a song by, you won't remember it. I'm sure that was a song by Banana Rama. But anyway. Yeah, you won't remember that, don't worry. <laughs> one for our older listeners. <laughs> You're catching me before that. Maybe that's one for you and Tony. Um, <laughs> but he, he he's going to come in, and I'm sure you know he's probably had a couple of days to work on the squad. We we should be you know in a good enough position to to sort of put them to the sword. The home game before this charade of a World Cup, like we've had a few nice wins. You know whatever is going on off the field in terms of a potential sale or not like that can just be shelved to one side I'm I'm hoping the fact that it's a three o'clock on a Saturday's traditional football time you know people will be in a buoyant mood going to Anfield tomorrow and you know that there is only like an evening game in the European Cup that sort of gets you more excited than a little three o'clock because sometimes you know that that's the the bread and butter of football as it was um, and Southampton We've said it a few times. We've said it with Forrest. We've said it with Leeds. Should be there for the taking, given you know they're in a bit of a, a transition over the last few days, and clubs are going to change managers because they've now got five or six weeks to work on it. But we're getting them fresh a couple of days in. He might try think with things. He might try and go with how they previously been playing. They've got a couple of nice tidy players, but it it would it wouldn't be beyond the realms of a surprise if a draw or a loss happened but I would like to think given what we've gone on for the last few weeks that you know the lads should be up for it like it's not an early kickoff; it's at home we, we should be all set and ready for, for hopefully a nice victory yeah you've got to you've got to hope that we've like we've sort of learnt our lessons about playing teams in the sort of in relegation danger that you know they might be in relegation danger but that doesn't mean they're like walkovers that means they're the wounded animal's ready to come and attack you, you know, try and make you struggle if you start, um, if you don't get it right. So we've got to get it right. And, um, just a quick, just a quick thing about Everton as well. What makes me laugh as well is the fact that if, if we won, we'd be doing them a huge favor because they're only two points ahead of Southampton. And obviously a Southampton win and an Everton loss would mean that Southampton overtook Everton. So you'd, you'd think Everton would be made up to see us win. But as we've said, that sort of, cut your nose off to spite your face mentality from a lot of Evertonians. A lot of Blues will just be thinking, you know, they they will not want us to win. They'll be made up if we don't win. So um, if there's ever a little bit more of an incentive, there's that just, just you know, a little bit more of an incentive. They're a little sideshow, if you like, that you can really upset Everton if you win, um, even though you're doing them a favour. It just gives them such confusion. But that... Um, that thing about, about playing the lesser clubs, if you like, the, the sort of more... more the club's finding it harder, and as you just said, then the the manager bounce is such a thing as well. The, these these are pitfalls that it feels like um, 
I think football managers just come out again. I had a pl- quick play with it the first time I've gone near that since it was Championship Manager 3, and I probably shouldn't have gone near it because I'll probably be regretting it very soon. But um, you sort of like, you want a button that says, um, look, you know, as the manager, you want to say, look, lads, these might be down in the relegation zone, but don't go in there thinking you've won this because you've not won a thing until you've fought for that win, whoever they are. And if if by the end of it, you've come out with a nice, handsome victory, great. Don't you go in there thinking it's already done. And I just hope we've learned our lessons this season because something I've said time and again about Klopp and about Liverpool under Klopp is that, yeah, mistakes happen, things go wrong, but we go away and we learn from them and we build from that and we, we improve and those mistakes don't keep happening then. And it was strange to see the same mistakes happening this season, but I, I'm hoping that's behind us now. But the way we're both talking now is we just we just don't know, do we? And it's just just a strange way to be talking because although you would sort of say, you know, you can't guarantee you're going to win against anyone, you're capable of beating anyone, you wouldn't really be worried. But there's, there's still like a little bit of worry in the back of my mind, at least that... If we've not got our heads right for this game, even though we've had that rest, most of them, you know, we could come unstuck. And it's it's strange to be thinking that way. And I just think if we do get that win, and as you say, at Anfield on a Saturday, you know, I mean, something that um, I always think about going to match, something you forget quite often or you maybe take for granted. It's not just the sights and sounds, but it's the smells of going the game, the smell of the pitch, the smells... It smells a certain way at the right time of day, at the right time of year. You know, a November three o'clock afternoon really brings back memories for me. Of going the match all those years ago, three o'clock kickoffs as they were pretty much all the time. So you know, everything together is an ingredient. Last game before the World Cup, you hope the crowd's on the back, but we we just can't afford to be complacent. No, these have got nothing to lose apart from an absolute spanking. Mm. Like they're going to come into this game, win, lose or draw, as long as they don't get hammered. It'll just be pushed under the carpet. We've got five or six weeks, and then we'll go on Boxing Day. And that, of any, has got to be the mentality of any sort of Southampton fan, really. I know, you know, there'll be a few optimists there who'll say, well, you know, Forest beaters and Leeds beaters at Anfield, you know, like it's not beyond, beyond the realms of possibility. But, you know, new manager, break coming up. If they walked away from Anfield with a 2 0 win, I'm sure before the game, if you bumped into any of them around, the ground in a few local pubs because of what I will say as hard as I remember Southampton have actually got a decent fan base they don't really come and give it the whole lower league bingo sheet like Derby did the other night they tend to just come and be respectful and cheer their own lads and go home and it's a long way to come and they can't be bothered with all that tripe that other fans roll out Um, you know they just seem like a nice bunch of people and if they got beat 2-0 they'd probably be like ah well that's to be expected. Um, however, being greedy, given what we've had this season, it would be nice to go out there and put, you know, just a little bit of a marker down just to, you know, end this current section of the season with a nice, handsome win, a clean sheet, a few goals for a few lads dotted around the field. And, you know, the likes of Darwin Nunes, for example, if he's going to the World Cup with Uruguay with a goal under his belt, he'll feel a lot bigger and better about himself. You know, the likes of Trent, if he gets a clean sheet and assist, you know, has a good game, whether he does feature or not for England, at least he's going to go there with a bit of confidence. And, you know, hopefully the media narrative then will not be around. Well, it probably will because it always is. But if he has a good game and a clean sheet and an assist, you know, it does put a few doubters back in the closet for a few days. And 
that that's all we want because you know for the next five or six weeks as you say it's it's a world cup that doesn't feel like a world cup it's going to be you know all people talk about and if our lads can just go there and perform in a respectable manner some of them can have a good tournament in their own personal way and just come home without any controversy then that is that is all we can really wish for no injuries and you know some some good performances um because it's just weird i i don't even feel excited as you said for this world cup it was advertised on the telly the night and then the christmas mm-hmm. stuff it's on afterwards it's November, for God's sake! It just shouldn't be happening. It's just a weird, weird feeling. Yeah, the old is it the old? I always mix up. Is it the Aldi or the little that's got Kevin the Carrot as the advert? And um, Aldi. See, so your other supermarkets are available, and I obviously get them mixed up. But Aldi, yeah, their Christmas advert is is basically a um, a carrot being left home alone. It's kind of a Mickey take of the Christmas Home Alone film, um, and he's left home alone. I think because he misses the flight to the World Cup, and it's like. There's just too many things mixed up in that that shouldn't be mixed up. It feels like maybe this is what it's like in Australia. I don't know. Maybe they have lots of summary <laughs> things, and, but you know, it just doesn't feel right, and it needs to change. I think one thing that's going to be interesting in how we play this weekend is that the, the players who are in World Cup squads and the players who aren't, it's a chance to sort of, for some of them to say, look, maybe you should have put me in the squad. Here's what you've missed. Maybe it's a chance for them to be sort of on a, a little reserve list if anyone gets injured before any, you know, if there's still time to make a change or anything like that, that maybe they could be brought in as a as a replacement. It's, it's a message to say, look, um, for, if you like to sort of Liverpool's recruitment people that... I'm good enough, you know. When you look, when you're watching the World Cup, looking at players to sign, potential players to bring in, players you maybe looked at that you just want to have another look at on the bigger stage to see what they're like. This is, you know, a chance for those existing players to say, look, you don't need to bother looking at that position. We're all right. We're sorted. So, I do hope that everything about this game is just. I don't want to build it up too much, but God, it feels like. Um, it feels like a massive game now when it's just Southampton on a Saturday at three o'clock. But it feels like a massive game because. Because it is our last game for ages before we're starved of real football, so it's 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 vital to me that we win. Yet I hope that's not the kind of feeling that ends up putting too much pressure on the players. Because at times that's that's been a thing a bit. I, my at times thing has been my worry with Liverpool this season that they've struggled sometimes with pressure. Um, not the big pressure because they they take it on the chin against the likes of Man City and Tottenham or whatever against Napoli recently, but it's. It's that sort of pressure when it's a lower league team and we're starting to sort of, you know, give you a bit of a slap in. Yeah, just, I just had a quick look while you were while you were saying there about um, any players you can be called up. Squads have got to be finalised by Sunday. Right. I don't know if there's a cut-off time or whether it's just, you know, the end of a certain time or end of play by the weekend's games on Sunday. So, you know, there could be a potential that maybe one or two are asked to, you know, represent the countries or be in the squads but but fingers crossed everyone who's named in their current squads is fit and goes because I can't imagine it's it's a very nice feeling if you've built yourself up to like Sadio Mane for example it's it's the pinnacle probably of his international career apart from winning the AFCON to represent your country at the World Cup when he got oh, injured yeah. like for him you feel absolutely gutted like he's one of the real nice guys in football and we never actually got to say goodbye to him properly and hopefully all being well, we might meet further along the line in the Champions League. Um, but for him to be injured, it, it's it's a devastating loss. And hopefully, you know, you don't wish ill on any players, really. 
like maybe you know Erling Haaland to have a few months out, but yeah. uh, like for players to miss a World Cup, it must be awful. Like when you've been called up and you you, you know literally a week away. So hopefully, as as it stands, we we don't lose any more players in terms of call ups, but. It's just a bizarre time. I, I, I can't wrap my head around it. Maybe once it actually starts and you do see a few like games of European countries against South Americans or you know the likes of Japan or an African nation playing a team who they wouldn't normally play, you might sort of feel a little bit more involved in it. But it, it, as you say, like this time of year, it's it. it I can't. I can't seem to wrap my head around it. No, I think. I think some of the games towards the end of the tournament, at least, I think, and I'm not 100 percent on this because I've, I've re, I remember having a really quick look. I think that most of the games towards the end start being played at times when Leeds viewers in the UK can probably watch it without sort of being sat in work or supposedly meant to be in bed. I think they're on at reasonable times. I think, which I mean, I don't know what time it is in Qatar, but I think they have to probably have to play at three in the morning, don't they? So you've got a remote chance of being able to breathe while you're playing. Something else that. You just mentioned there as well. You quickly, we nearly forgot to mention everything. Um, a couple of draws in cups that we've had as well. So, League Cup, we've got Man City. Champions League, we've got Real Madrid. Your first thought is, oh my God, could we not got easier draws? Then your second thought is, well, you know what? If you're going to win things, you've got to beat whoever it is. At some point, you've got to beat the best teams or the teams who beat the best teams. So, you know, great to get them later on, I suppose. But, um, City, yeah, we've beat them before in, in this in cups this season, so I'm sure we could again. It's going to be an interesting game. But Real Madrid, um, we owe them. Yeah, and at the time you think, oh, Real Madrid, but Real Madrid two legs. Obviously, the first legs at Anfield not ideal for us, but you know they've still got to come to Anfield. And the last two times we played them in the Champions League has been finals, unless there was a weird group game that I seem to have forgot about, but I'm sure it was just a let's go. Um, we do. We owe them. Um, as we've touched on many times before, last year's final doesn't really matter because of Everton that happened beyond the game of football. Um, and the final in, in Kiev um, was overshadowed by not only Mo Salah's injury, but Lord Carius's concussion. And yeah. it just felt like an awful combination of circumstances that that led to a bad result so we we probably feel shortchanged by at least one European Cup um, that Real Madrid have got and we haven't but over two legs you do feel a little bit more confident in terms of you know it's not a neutral atmosphere in terms of a neutral venue um, it's not like you know sanitised by UEFA to the point of you know we can try and drown you out and and corner you in in an unfortunate situation where you actually aren't even asked of the game. Um, so I'm, I'm quite happy with the, the the draw, and that's what you're in the European Cup for. That's what the Champions League is about: playing the big boys, playing the big teams. And the same applies in terms of Manchester City. You want to play them in a way. You want to play them now. And you get them out the way. And if you look at the League Cup, for example, I know we all play a rotated squad, but that competition is there to be won. The likes of Arsenal, the likes of Chelsea, the likes of Tottenham. And if we beat Man City, we'll then all be out. It sort of opens up as a real nice opportunity to get another trophy in the bag, um, especially for the likes of Kevin Kelleher and Costa Simicus, who will play the majority of games. It's it's what they're in the squad for, to you know be available 
as an option for players who may not be there due to injury or suspension. But this is their this is their competition as such, and you know I don't want the disappointments of going to Wembley and playing Man City and losing, or the disappointments of going to Istanbul in June, I think it is next year, and playing Real Madrid and losing again. Like there's no worse feeling than losing a final. So. You know, if you're going to be a bit cynical and say, well, if you're going to go out, go out to them early and, you know, it, it's over and done with them. But on the flip side of it, the opportunity presents itself to knock a rival out of a competition and give yourself a much better shot at winning it. Yeah, that's it. And, and you know, I think it's going to be interesting the Man City game in the League Cup, what kind of team gets put out by both managers. I mean, I said this with the game against Napoli that you sort of half expect both managers to have a quiet handshake to say, let's just play kids for this because it doesn't really matter. But in the end, for the Napoli game, that wasn't the case. And I'm glad because it was a good game, even though it didn't make a lot of difference in terms of, of well, it didn't make any difference in terms of where we ended up in the group. It just um, it just made it more interesting and kind of, I think if you like, gave us this little bit of a foundation, this little bit of a run that we're on that we hope carries on. And, um, you know, be good not to play City in a final because then we don't get all that... Um, abuse off them because we boo the national anthem and stuff there won't be any national anthem unless they decide to sing it but they don't normally sing national anthems um you don't normally yeah you don't sing apart from (laughs) the borrowing beatles songs do they so um and if anything like weirdly it's it's fitted in a few days after the world cup final a few days before christmas would be a nice little present just to knock them out just to lose it one more time even though it's at the etihad and you know we tend to be a little bit more composed because it's not the cold on the banfield where there's some weird voodoo in his mind that he loses his head but if we just knock them out of a competition and progress just a few days before Christmas if we can't ruin Everton's Christmas at least try and ruin cities. Yeah that would be so good wouldn't it? I mean I've never heard the Etihad described as a cauldron so we know that's not going to happen but um, just looking as well with, with Real Madrid we've only ever actually played them um, according to this thing I'm looking at official games this is lfchistory.net. We've played them 11 times, two of them friendlies, nine official games. And the last time we played them in the Champions League first knockout round, if you like, um, it was in 2009. And yeah, we, we won 1-0 at their place, Yossi Benyoun. And then 4-0 at our place in the second leg with Torres, Gerard, Gerard again, and even Andre Dacina getting on the bench, on the, on the score sheet. It's, um, that wasn't a bad night and that wasn't a bad time for Liverpool. It felt like we were building towards something. And I think, ironically, that kind of momentum was probably broken by a change of ownership and things like that. But even so, it was a good time. And I think, you know, we've got to be positive and think we could easily do that again this season if we're on our be- at our best. Yeah, and the way the, the draws landed, PSG and Bayern Munich, like nominally, you know, Real Madrid, those two teams and ourselves are the ones you'd probably look for. And obviously, unfortunately, Manchester City, um, they're, they're the big boys in the competition and, and two of them are going to go out. Um, City are obviously going to get their cushy draws until the semi-final. So yeah. we, we, we don't need to worry about that. But the likes of PSG with all their, their lovely money lined with black oil and Bayern Munich just being the absolute juggernaut that they are in Germany, the fact that one of them is going to go out, one of... Hopefully Real Madrid or those go out. Like it does open the competition up to to more teams to, to give them the opportunity to progress and, and get further. So I'm looking forward to it. And it's 
I think it's Valentine's Day it comes back. Yeah. Hopefully by then, you know, Diaz is back. Who knows? We might have a couple of plays in the door. Jota may be back and, you know, all being well, a clean bill of health for the rest of the squad. And it, all of a sudden, we're in a much, much stronger situation to where we were even last season when we played them because, you know, the, there's a few refreshes in the squad. And as I say, if if one or two come through the door, then, then we're a little bit better than where we were last year. And we won't have the fiasco outside the stadium. Got to hope not as well, yeah. And I think... Um... It's all set up, isn't it? It's got to be, hasn't it? Sadio Mane against playing against us in the final in Istanbul. I think you know, having, not having a bad night, but you know, um, not having as good a night as the rest of us. That that would be just nice. I think um, we'll wait and see. We know what we said. We had a lot to talk about this week, and we wondered if we'd fit it all in. We've gone just slightly over the hour in trying to fit it all in, but I think we just about did. And. I think we'll be back again, hopefully, next week, all being well. And at this moment in time, I'm thinking, what are we going to talk about? You know what? It's Liverpool. There's going to be loads to talk about. So, as always, thanks for listening. Have a listen to all the other stuff on Anfield Index. Stay tuned to all the stuff about the ownership. Don't get too worked up about it, because in all honesty, half the people who say they know what's going on haven't got a clue, and they're just probably making things up and guessing. Just wait and see. When it happens, it happens. But for now, enjoy the football, and let's hope it's a good game this weekend. And when we speak to you next, let's hope we're, we're looking back on a on the first half of the season that wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to turn out to be. But again, as always, thanks for listening, and we will see you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.